Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Tim Vandehey, welcome to the conversation today. John, thank you. Glad to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. I believe you're local here in Utah. Is that correct? No, actually, uh, my co-author, Tracy Maylett, mm. is based in Utah. I'm actually based in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, wonderful. I'm from the Kansas City area, actually oh, a yeah? bit a bit northwest Missouri, a little town called Hamilton, um, which is, is really small, about 1,700 people. Uh, but I love the Kansas City area, and I love that part of the world. So pleasure to be with you. I'm here south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about Tim's recent book, Swipe, The Science Behind Why We Don't Finish What We Start. I love the title. I love um, the, the contents of this that we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Tim's bio with everybody. Tim Vandehey is a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter and co-author who's written 60 plus books in genres like business, advice, parenting, true crime, uh, a wide breadth of different types of issues and topics. And it's just a pleasure to be with you. And again, I'm excited to talk about this book. Before we get started, anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context? Uh, no, I think you covered the basics. All right. Well, let's dive on in. Uh, maybe start by just telling us the why behind this book, why you and your co-author decided now was the time that we needed this book. Well, um, so Tracy and I had written two other books um, with me as a ghostwriter. We got together at the beginning of 2020, to, you know, I think the, just before the world shut down, mm -hmm. uh, February of 2020, to talk about doing a third book. All the books had been about employee engagement. That mm -hmm. is uh, Tracy's uh, milieu, yep. that's where he works. And we came up with this concept. We were going to look at why the first two books we had done looked at why at employee engagement from the um, the side of the employer. So mm -hmm. what can you do to help your employees engage? We wanted to do a piece from the other side. Well, okay, what mm -hmm. is your responsibility as the employee? And we came up with this concept based on the smartphone, based on the idea of distractibility mm -hmm. and the uh, the idea of choosing to choosing to change your reality based on the ease of changing the virtual reality of a smart device, where if you're not, if you're not having a satisfying experience, you can just swipe your finger and change the experience. And that yeah. was what we settled on. And we went off to our various uh, respective writing caves. And when, when the world, you know, shut down, we started to really rethink, think of the concept and we didn't rethink the concept so much as we thought this is bigger than just a workplace engagement book that I said, this is really about not finishing what you start. And I came at it from the background of a writer. Well, you know, there's a reason things like National Novel Writing Month exist, if, if, if you're familiar <laughs> with that, because people don't finish things. And in particular, writers don't finish books. The, you know, if you stacked the unfinished novels of the world on top of one another, you could probably make it to Saturn. Um, and so Tracy and I quickly decided that this was an everyone book. This was a large scale popular culture book about the psychology, neurobiology, behavior of the 
phenomenon of people starting things repeatedly over and over again and frustratingly not finishing them. Um, the swipe title came from that idea of how we've been mm -hmm. conditioned by our devices to believe re sort of reflexively that, oh, I'm, this is, I'm not having a good time or I'm uncomfortable, I'm embarrassed, I'm disillusioned. I'll just, we, we call it reality switching. I'll just tap a different app or flick my finger across the screen. Suddenly I'm having a completely different experience and there are no consequences for that. Well, in the real world, there are consequences for that. And unfortunately, the conditioning, the, the, the example of the conditioning I like to use, because I've done this, I do this all the time. I still do this to this day, is if you've ever written, been writing longhand on, let's say, a yellow pad or a legal pad in the age of the computer, and you make a mistake, I know a hundred times I have just for one split second wondered, okay, where's the undo function? <laughs> and of course I go, oh, well, there's no, you know, you hit yourself in the forehead. And, well, there's no undo function, you dope, but you're writing with a pencil. And then you go back and erase. But for that split second, I cannot tell you. And, I, and I've and i I've related that to 50 people doing interviews about this book. And most people have, have done what you did to kind of chuckle with recognition. Like, yep, been there. You yeah. know, uh, you, you tried to find the remote for a TV, for a device that doesn't have a remote. We've all been conditioned <laughs> by technology to think I can just snap my fingers and there is going to be the change that I want. You know, now we have, you know, rides show up and we want and food shows up and what do we want? And so we've been conditioned to feel like, oh, reality is malleable. And in the digital world, it is without a lot of consequence. Generally, the consequences very much exist in the real world. One of those consequences is a debris field of unfinished stuff mm -hmm. that leaves us frustrated and uh, filled with remorse. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, like you said, it's not a new phenomenon. The, the fact that people don't always finish what they start. That's why there's lots of adages, uh, you know, kind of colloquial, um, you know, proverbs and such that address that very issue. But in the digital age, perhaps it's even more uh, acute <laughs> that that well, we're dealing with it all the time. At it. Nobody's really looked at this. We we know we we looked for research. I mean, Tracy's you know Tracy's good, mm -hmm. a doctorate. He's an academic. So together, and I'm a journalist by training. So he and I dug into the research and saw, is there anything anything about this? There's nothing. There's a lot of research on procrastination, but that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so we really had to sort of cobble together the the material, the research that we found to look at the various causal factors behind this, as opposed to saying, well, here's all this great body of research about um, people not, not finishing what they start. It's simply not out there. Nobody's really looked at this. We're, I think we're the first ones to do so, really. Hmm. Yeah, super interesting. And it's it's also timely. I mean, the book's been out for a little bit now. Um, but we're, you know, where we're at uh, in the holiday season, we're leading up to New Year's. Yeah. A lot of times people are thinking in terms of New Year's resolutions, for example. And I don't know, there's probably statistics out there about how how many New Year's resolutions come to fruition versus how many get abandoned and how quickly they get abandoned. But my guess is the vast majority, probably 80, 90% of all New Year's resolutions get abandoned within the first couple of weeks of the year. Um, and, and that's just one kind of silly example that everyone has experienced where you, for some reason, you felt the need to set this goal that you were going to try to work on throughout the year. And then you just drop it within a couple of weeks. And there's a whole variety of reasons why people do that. And 
you know, so, so this conversation, I think, can feed into, I think, the natural kind of reflective process that we all tend to go through this time of year as we're leading into the new year. And maybe we can do things a little bit differently as we uh, start the new year this time around uh, in a way that's more manageable, sustainable, something that we we can approach our, our goals and our efforts in a way that we can actually see things through to the finish line. Uh, and in my experience, when when I do see things through to the finish line, it helps me to build some momentum um, and some confidence. And then I'm more likely to finish the next thing. Um, but the opposite is also true. And it can kind of be a downward uh, confidence and motivational spiral uh, when you don't finish something and then you don't finish something else and then you don't finish something else. And pretty soon you just think of yourself as a person that doesn't finish stuff and, and then nothing is really happening and that's not what we want. Right. So finding a way to change that trajectory and, and have it on an up, upward slope is I think really what we want, both from an organizational perspective, from a personal development perspective. Uh, right. Yes. Well, and you know, uh, the, it's the, this is the time of the year I call the magical thinking time. Mm. Um, because that the 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 uh, obsession with uh, New Year's resolutions, you, you nailed it. You know, is 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 it's I think it's eighty eighty one percent. There is there actually is research, but it's old research. I think it's two thousand seven two thousand eight. Something like eighty one percent are dropped by. I think the date was February eleventh. I'd have to go back and look, but there's a date that somebody some researcher looked up that was like. National Despair Day or something that he <laughs> named, where people just where the majority of people just said out of hell with it. Um, mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. going to get it done. I'm you know they just move on. Um, and you know a lot of it has to do a lot of the a lot of the problems with um, with not finishing what we start with what we call swiping. We use that as a mm -hmm. verb and a gerund. Mm -hmm. um, you know have to do with the fact that people seem to think they can go back. There's a there's some sort of it's magical thinking that they can go back and approach the the goal the same way and somehow get different results mm -hmm. and yeah. that falls under the the myth of willpower mm. i will will myself this time to do things differently that is one of the most dangerous myths in terms of self-improvement health productivity um, any by any measure this idea that by sheer force of will you can go against your your nature, your habits, your neurological programming, your upbringing. It's not true. I mean, the people who are successful, who have failed in the past and then get things done, uh, change change the game and they get and they get things done in the future that you know achieve the goal they might have tried to achieve two or three times before, they don't approach it the same way. They change the rules. They change yeah. their system, they change their environment. Most importantly, they changed the two the two psychological factors. This is because this is really a psychology book, really honestly at its core. The two factors that are the most important are managing expectations and managing motivation. Mm. There are other things you can do too. I mean, if you're you know if you're talking about fitness, you know, stakes are important. Is there something at stake? Are there consequences for not completing it? Most of the time, there aren't. Um, if right. con when when there are consequences, people change their behavior. If you're going to lose money or something like that, but but in terms of things you can do up here, you know, one one of the big reasons people fail is they have faulty expectations. What is this mm -hmm. going to be like? You know, what I'm I go back to writing books all the time. That's what I do. I live my that's that's the world I live in, and I know so many writers who have failed, tried again and again and again and again and failed to finish a novel. Usually, it's a novel, and you know, part of, and but all you can do it. You could apply it to let's say training for a marathon. Same thing, working out. If your expectation is 
if you start a workout program and your expectation is I'm going to be jacked in 90 days. <laughs> no, you're not, not, not by any reason, unless you're pumping massive amounts of steroids, you know, not, and you're not going to be jacked in 90 days. You'll be fitter in 90, 90 days. But if your expectation is this is going to be super fun, like in the P90X videos, I'm going to be laughing. <laughs> and in 90 days, I'm going to look like what's the guy, Tony Horton. Um, you know, then you're going to look in the mirror at 90 days and go, Oh, well, man, that, that, that's, that, that just sucks. You know, I mean, you're probably fitter, but you're not going to be like, you're not going to have your expectations are not congruent with reality. And so expectations about what the experience is going to be like and what the results are going to be when those are not realistic, people get disillusioned. They become embarrassed. They get angry and resentful and they just say, how to heck with it. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. The other aspect of this is the psychological aspect is motivation. Why are you doing this? People take on New Year's resolutions. A lot of people take on New Year's resolutions because they think they're supposed to. Mm. You know, I, I I have teenage daughters. I'm always telling them, you know, they're using that uh, that phrase, you know, stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> um, you know, is what I should do. That is one of the worst words in the world. I should do this. That doesn't matter what you think you should do. If you don't care about doing it, if you're not doing it for a reason that makes sense to you, that motivates you emotionally, because we are emotional creatures and we are motivated more by our emotions than we are by our reasons, you're not going to follow through. If you want to get in shape, I mean, I'm a strong believer in emergency motivation. If you're dying to be in shape for your high school reunion because you want to, you want to make every one of those other, those other people look old and fat and out of shape. Awesome. Use that. Use the <laughs> Who cares, right? There are no rules when it comes to getting results as long as you don't hurt yourself, as long as you don't do something unhealthy for body or mind. But, you know, a lot of times motivation when it comes to anything, fitness, books, any, uh, creative projects of any kind is either vague or it's um, it's outward directed. It's extrinsic. I want to do this because of FOMO. Mm -hmm. or I want to do this because, well, you know, um, Sarah wrote a book. I really have always wanted to write a book. Um, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to this, this, I've always wanted to be an author, sort of vague. I sort of want to, well, that's a terrible motivation. Why do you want to write a book? What, what, what's, why do you want to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to the gym five days a week? What's the motivation there? If the motivation is not strong, motivation is what carries you past those roadblocks. And if the motivation is not strong, you're going to trip and fall on your face. The first one. And again, say, forget it. Uh, this is not for me. I can't do this. And you become fatalistic after a while and you just give up altogether. Yeah. And it will happen to everybody. Like I, you can point to the most disciplined person, say like an Olympic athlete, somebody who's just, they have it on lockdown, you know, their, their routine, their systems, their structures, their support systems, like everything. And they're just so disciplined. I guarantee you that Olympic Olympic athletes like Michael Phelps, um, that he had good days and bad days. And he had days where he struggled to want to get out of bed in the morning. And he had days where he didn't want to do all the things he had to do. Right. So then you have to think about, okay, what's really driving you? What's your, why what's motivating you? Mm -hmm. Everyone has that. <laughs> and, and, and so if you, if you think you're somehow magically not going to have the ups and downs, um, then you really are fooling yourself to, to your point. The expectations aren't realistic uh, and you're, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? Yeah, you are. And, you know, and uh, there's a, there's a great saying in the life coach, um, success coaching world, which and I, I don't know who it comes from. So I'm going to steal it and not, I'm not going to say it's mine, but I'll use it without attribution. It is, it goes something like, um, don't, don't plan, don't plan for what you can do on your best day, plan for what you can do on your mm. worst day, yeah. which makes a ton of sense. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what I do for productivity when it comes to writing for what, you know, how are you going to handle those days when you, when you either don't want to show up or when you do show up and you suck, <laughs> you, you right. just can't, you're right. You're blocked as a writer or you're not feeling it at the gym or, you know, you're, you're, if you're saving money as a goal and you're, you know, you, you last week you, you spent a whole bunch of money on stuff that you didn't need. And what, what, how are you going to bounce back from that worst day? How do you, how do you make rational sense of that worst day? Like sort of you're Michael Phelps probably have, he probably had some days in the pool when he just didn't bring it. He just didn't have it. I'm not going to get out of the pool and say, forget it. I'm not going to be an Olympian. I know I've been training nine years to be an Olympian, but this one bad day just told me I can't do it. Well, obviously, that doesn't happen with somebody like that, but it's not because he's superhuman. That's the mistake people make is they, well, those guys in, are superhuman. Well, in fact, like Michael Phelps, if I remember correctly, it was after he kind of retired from the Olympics that he opened up and was more vulnerable about depression yeah. and anxiety and some of those sorts of things. Guess yeah. what? He has it just like... <laughs> Everyone yeah, else does. <laughs> that's why, if I, if I recall correctly, that's why he confessed to smoking so much weed. Yeah, because right. <laughs> he had so many. He had, his anxiety was off the charts, and part of it was probably you know anxiety over the the schedule and the performance and the pressure he was under as you know the greatest sure in the world, trademark. Um, but you know the the um, uh, the 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 pressure to perform at your best all the time. That is what, what I always tell people when we're talking about this book and talking about the idea of swiping and getting things, finishing what you start is to have a plan for when you reach that point, when you reach that, that point where you're like, I'm done, you know, cause you're going to in anything, I don't care what it is. If, if it's not, if it's, if it's something, if it's something where there's not a, not a strong enough accountability um, structure in place, which by the way, is another thing, have accountability. I mean, the reason you show up at your job is because you need the money. If you don't show up, you'll get fired. It's a pretty mm -hmm. basic, it's pretty basic. What's the accountability for stopping, finished for stopping working on your book or for not going to the gym. Okay. Maybe in 20 years, you'll be fat and out of shape and you'll have heart, heart disease, but you know, the long-term, long-term consequences do not motivate people. So what's right. your plan? How are you going to deal with the feelings because this, again, this is all about emotion. You 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 come to that point and say, I, I can't do this. I mean, and, mo and most of the time, by the way, the swipe is not um, the result of a single act of what I call hitting the eject button. You're working on a novel for two months and you hit a point where you don't know what to write next. And you say, oh, I'm not going to do this today. I, it's not the, the result of that one time. It's not the result of one day of not going to the gym. It's a slow decline from, okay, I've maintained this routine for a while. I've maintained my discipline and the discipline slowly ebbs away until after, because yeah. well, for a while you have momentum. There's a sunk cost, you know, but if, if, if enough time goes by, you start to feel that equation shifting where the sunk cost is not worth the cost of continuing. So mm -hmm. after six straight days of not going to the gym, you say, I haven't gone the last six days. Screw it. I'm not going to go. I'm done. I'll try again in two months. That's that's how this works. It's that kind of slow, insidious, fading away of motivation and and productivity that this that this leads that 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 the swipe it really is. And so what I tell people when we talk about this is to have a plan for when that happens, when it happens early on, not by the time you get to the end where you you haven't written a a, a word on your novel in two weeks. Mm -hmm. By the time you get to that point, you're probably 
you're probably at the at the screw it level and you're just gonna mm-hmm. say move on to other things i i you've, you've lost any sort of enthusiasm the time to catch it is when that first one or two bad days or that first one mm-hmm. or two points where you go i can't do this i just I, or i'm frustrated or i don't know what to do next okay when you reach that point of exasperation what are you going to do next when you're michael phelps or you're um you know you're um oh what's the other person i was thinking about the uh I'm losing her name, the um, Simone Biles, maybe Simone Biles. Thank you. That's exactly yeah. right. You read my mind. You're, you're Simone Biles. You know, I, I'm sure who I'm sure besides her, her, you know, her, um, which I actually want to talk about her. This is another side to this. But when you're, you know, when you're, when you're an elite athlete at that level, or when you're, or when you're Stephen King, okay, I'm sure mm-hmm. Stephen King, who writes, who's famously productive, famously feckin' to just writing, writing every day, I think Christmas and his birthday must have days when he's blocked. What do you do? What's your plan so that you can keep mm-hmm. going? Do you talk? Do you phone a friend? <laughs> do you have a have a series of little motivational cattle prods that you can get out and say, "Okay, I'm going to try this." And what are, what tricks do you have? Or do you are you is are you to take a a prescribed break? Say, okay, for 24 hours, I'm not going to worry about this, but at hour 25, I'm back into it completely, 110 percent. Right. So, what's the plan? Because you can get back on track. But it has to be concrete. All right. It's it's like, you know, in, in case of swipe, break glass, basically. This is what mm-hmm. I'm gonna do. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, that's so it, that's that's part of part of what makes it so so common is it's that that slow fade. You don't really realize it until you you haven't done what you want intended to do for two weeks and you just think, ah, screw it. Move on. I'm I'm moving on to other things. I just the enthusiasm is gone. You know, so yeah. don't get so don't make it dependent on enthusiasm. Make it dependent on a structure. Make it dependent on motivation, etc. Yeah, well, and and you just shared you know some some top tier athlete examples, um, but but I can think of similar examples with kind of everyday people or with like artistic people. I think everyone can be creative and artistic, by the way. But I'm I'm thinking of particularly like a local artist who um, lives just within 20 minutes of where I live. And I went to a, a talk that he did a, a few years ago and he he's famously productive. Like he's just constantly producing and he's had lots of uh, critical success, a lot of uh, commercial success, and he's just famously productive and he's just constantly putting out stuff. And people are like, how, like, how do you do that? How do you get motivated? How do you find the inspiration? And, and he's just like, He's like, look, sometimes I'm inspired, sometimes I'm not, you know, <laughs> but he he has like a system in place. He has structure in place. He holds himself accountable. He makes sure that he's just doing it every day, even if he's not feeling it, even if he's not feeling the inspiration, even if it turns out to be garbage, like he just does it and he just does it consistently every day. And, you know, that's what I see these famous athletes doing. That's what I see, you know, the most productive people that I just see in the workplace. That's what I see them doing. They just show up and they just do the work. They just do it. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's not so great. Um, but they're always showing up and and showing up, I guess, is really half the battle. It really is. I mean, if you, I mean, if you go back to athletes, I mean, you know, you talk about athletes and team sports, let's say, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I always focus on baseball, but 
you'll hear all the time about the top athletes. And this goes back to, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson mm -hmm. um, about how they, what their routine was like. They'd be at the stadium or the ballpark at 8 a.m. on a game day when the game was at 7.30 at night or 7 o'clock at night. And they would go through, I was just listening, I forget who it was, it might have been Shohei Otani because obviously everybody's been talking about Shohei Otani, not mm -hmm. just because of this monster contract, but for the past, you know, what? Because he's amazing. Four, four, four months. <laughs> crazy contract <laughs> but for the past you know five months even before the end of the season they were talking about his free agency but one of the things that that someone said it might have been joe davis the dodger broadcaster was talking about his routine that his routine is exhaustive and painstaking and every single day during the season he shows up early and goes through every phase psychological and physical of what the game is going to be like his you know his reflexes his movement his warm-up everything and it is and it's structured and it's consistent i mean yeah showing up is is a huge part of it i mean if you if you show up every day you're gonna get something done you know i mean you know and, and, and it, having one of the strongest things i think people can do though apart from the motivation and, and expectation issue is and of course this doesn't necessarily well it does come into play when, on the job in the professional setting is to have stakes what is at yeah. stake if you don't keep going? What it, the more that the more that's at stake, the more likely people are to find a way. I mean, you know, I've been I've I mean I've been a freelance writer since 1995, mm. right? I have a family and a mortgage and two kids. I've you know now we're teenagers, so I'm buying cars, and that's very motivating for you know me keeping going. I've written almost 70 books in all those years, and uh, you know the the need to pay my kids college tuition and pay my mortgage and be able to send us on trips and things is all very, very motivating. Now that's not the only reason I do what I do, but on those yeah. days when I was like, Oh, I don't want to write another word. Well, I want to be able to, you know, buy my daughter a car, which I just did. Um, that's very motivating. You know, there, there are, there are stakes there. Um, but even in the workplace, you know, that because originally this was going to be, like I said, a workplace book. And there's a chapter, a couple chapters in the book about the swipe in the workplace. There are stakes inherent in a job situation. If you don't show up and you don't perform, you'll get fired and mm -hmm. you won't be able to keep your roof over your head or pay your car payment. Um, yeah. That doesn't stop people from checking out and disengaging. So, you know, the swipe comes into play in the workplace as well because stakes alone and accountability alone are not enough to get, to get people to really, you, it might keep you going, it might get you moving forward, but moving forward at with what sort of quality and dedication? Yeah. Just you know, it's one thing to finish a book; it's another thing to finish a book that's good. I mean, right. I just say, well, I've got to turn out, <laughs> I've got to turn out fifty thousand words. Well, I don't care if they're crap. That is, that's National Novel Writing Month, right? The idea is to mm -hmm. finish a fifty thousand word manuscript. Quality is not an issue. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're on the job, quality is an issue. So mm -hmm. finding, you know, finding these these other ways to finish what you start on the job. Very different dynamics, but the you know the 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 underlying mechanics are the same. They yeah. really are. It's about what am I expecting from my position? Um, you know, we got into we you know, we in the book we got into the the aspects of um, of not swiping on a job through a mnemonic that Tracy came up with, which is magic, which is um, meaning, autonomy, uh, growth, impact, and connection. Right. Those five elements help people stay engaged and finish what they start and work, you know, meaning, well, obviously if there's, is there meaning attached to the work? 
uh, you know, autonomy, or you self-directed, you have the power to sort of determine your own path or somebody telling, you know, constantly pulling your strings, um, you know, growth, fairly straightforward. You have an opportunity to grow professionally, grow in terms of your skill set, and so on. Impact is the work, um, making an impact in the world. And then connection, are you, you know, are you part of a tribe? Are you part of a group of people who care about each other, have each other's back, and so on? And so, you know, all of those things being in place is what really helps people get past this desire to swipe at the, in, at the workplace, which just shows you that it's not just about accountability and stakes. You have to have those, generally speaking. I mean, there are some people who are, who are inhumanly motivated, but even, even, even those, even, even, with, even when there are, even when the stakes are immaterial, they're non-tangible. You know, if I tell my daughter I'm going to buy her a car and then I can't do it because I was too lazy to finish a book and get paid for it, then that stake, that account, the accountability is my daughter being disappointed, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. your father, you know, that's terrible. You don't want that, you know? So, um, anyway, that's, yeah. that's. Yeah. Well said, Tim, this has just been a fascinating conversation and, and a nice look at, uh, some of the elements of this book. I know at the time I need to let you go, but before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find the book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, um, they can find information about the book at swipethebook.com. Um, there's a little, there's some, you know, some uh, information about uh, me and Tracy and some information about the book, some of the press coverage and reviews and things we've gotten and so on. Um, if you want to find out about me personally, I'm not sure why they would, but okay. I'm a fascinating guy. <laughs> um, they can go to timvandehay.com, which is my website for my ghostwriting career. Currently currently under reconstruction, but the old one is still there. So I'm just building a new one very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the, the, the little bit I'd like to leave you with is something important. I, ref I referenced Simone Biles. You helped me. You helped me reference Simone Biles. Um, we get this question a lot. And um, when it comes to the the sort of bailing out, hitting the eject button idea behind the swipe, and that it's the it's it's that there is another mechanism at work here, potentially called tapping out. What we call tapping out. Tapping yeah. out is when you choose the swipe is a reflex. The swipe is a reaction to discomfort, or embarrassment, or disillusionment. Mm -hmm. You say, ah, mm -hmm. I'm, I can't. I'm I'm going to quit. Tapping out is conscious and intentional. That's, Simone, that's what Simone Biles did at the Olympics in 2020 when she chose not to compete in the team gold because she had what they, what she called the twisties, you know, losing sense mm -hmm. of space, sense of her position in space, which for a gymnast mm -hmm. can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. So she made a conscious decision to walk away from that situation. That is what we call a tap out. That is, I'm going to walk away because this is uh, this the situation is not good for me. Walking away is in my is in my best interest. It's affirmative. It's not a reflex. The swipe is very much a reflex, and the swipe is usually met with regret when we stop mm -hmm. something. I mean, how many people have looked back after quitting a workout program and said, "Ah, oh, I've done this. Ah, oh, if I just kept working out for the last two months, I'd be I'd be so much more ripped by now. I'd be in so much better shape by now. If only I hadn't quit." After a tap out, people generally feel empowered because yeah. they made it. They made a decision that was in their own best interest. Sometimes against the resistance of others who didn't want yeah. them to, to do it. So it's important to draw that distinction because we've been asked about things like relationship, negative, you know, bad relationships and things like that. So tapping out is a very positive move. Yeah, thank you for that distinction because that is very, very important, Tim. 
it has just been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Tim can do for you, check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.